Okay. All right. That's how it's all happening. <laughs> well, kids. Nope. 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 Three. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Oh, hey everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 60 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson, and today we're going to be talking about how to navigate popular film challenges and competitions. But first, Alex, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking a Modelo Especial. Ooh, ole, ole. Uh, I'm drinking a, I got a Golden Road Red Ale. Um, Got it from my uh, growler, finished that one off. It's a little, a little old, it tastes a little bit, but it's beer, so I'll drink it. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, doesn't have as the bubbles as it use as it usually does. So, well, um, yeah, that's true. I mean, flat beer is almost as good <laughs> as regular beer. Right? Yeah, it's still beer. It's still beer. So, yeah, I'm not gonna can't be just, mad about it. Can't you just uh, put it in the the fizzifier? I wonder if you could. <laughs> I one time put like I had made like a vodka soda a big vodka soda and then I like left it for a day and it got defizzed. Yeah. I put it in the fizzifier and that thing exploded. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. Okay, so you know um the soda streams, they come with a little bottle, like a mini bottle. It looks like alcohol, but it's just like mm-hmm. sweetener and like flavor. Mm-hmm. It turns out yeah. you're not supposed to put that in beforehand. First. Yeah, yeah. No, because then it, it explodes everywhere and it gets everything all sticky. <laughs> so, yeah, prob- probably wouldn't work with beer. You know what? I feel that at some point we should try it when we're outside. Just bring it outside, yeah. put a beer in there that's flat, and just see if it works. Because if it works, we'll never have flat beer again. We, we could Not just that rebrand I really, I that really... thing as like a beer juvenator. <laughs> that just sounds so dirty. Yeah, what's up, man? I just got the beer juvenator. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. It just exploded everywhere and made everything sticky. <laughs> <laughs> Is your fridge filled with flat beer? No. It's not. No, I drink my beer. This is a, you guys created a problem, a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Way to go, guys. Thanks. That's what we do here at uh, No Budget Filmmaking. <laughs> yes, indeed. So what's new? And I think... Probably for the five people that listen to this podcast and the two people that were wondering why we haven't released a couple in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Alex is a dad. It's official, folks. It's official. I am. It's official. I am. And uh, yeah, I mean, trying to do a podcast during those first two weeks is <laughs> unrealistic. <laughs> so, so, tough. so tough. So tough. Try doing a podcast the next eight months without a separate room to do it in. Oh, I know. It's gonna be great. I know. Oh, yeah. You <sighs> at least got the garage to run away to, but how's it going? You, uh, you have that glow upon you. Do I? Oh, good. Um, yeah, the, the, the glow of, uh, my kid kept me up all night and fear, threw up on me. Of constant fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are no, you doing something great. wrong? It's going very well. Um, 
Excellent. I, think I told you, I feel like, I feel like everyone always likes to share kind of like the horror stories because I feel like it's, you know, they like to vent, you know, mm-hmm. parents. And so it kind of prepared me for the worst, I would imagine, because I was just Excellent. ready for it to be awful, like zero sleep, like crying 24 <laughs> seven, just poop everywhere. But yeah. It hasn't been so bad, really. I mean, yeah. it's been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny how when they get older, you're like, man, I remember how easy it was in those early stages when they just slept, ate, and cried. Yeah, that's all. And they like, do. yeah, it's not that bad. It, it'll get worse. Don't. Worry. Yeah, there's um, you know, it, it is kind of a constant. Like, oh my gosh, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or like, what is happening now? Like, this is a new thing that's happening. Is that supposed to be happening? Let's check the books. Um, and that uh, that's a thing. But, I, you know, for the most part, there's nothing where I've been like, oh, that fell off? I didn't know it was going to. And... Um, <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of leeway when you have a kid. A lot of people make it seem like they're this super fragile thing, but it's there's a lot of leeway. Yeah. Uh, my kid has so many bumps and bruises, bloody nose so far, a busted lip. I mean, it's it just happens. Yeah, totally. Um, I'll, the one thing that we still haven't done is try to clip the nails. Oh. Um, and I was I had this great idea. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why people don't just do this. It's just use an emery board and like file it down. That makes so much more sense. You don't have to like worry about cutting the kid and blood and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, and I was like, perfect. And I was I um tried to do it while he was like sleepy, so he wasn't like fighting me, and it was it was all great, except for it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yep. No, nope, the baby just too nails soft. are so soft and <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it doesn't do a thing. I, I think I love the most because I was guilty of this so much is that so many first time parents think they have discovered something that someone else hasn't tried. And they're just like, I got it. You know what? I don't know why nobody did this. I figured it out. And Emery Board's one of them. Um, yeah. uh, my wife just clips the nails because I clipped the nail once and all I got was skin and it bled. So I was like, nope, I'm done with this. Yeah, I tried to pawn the task off onto my sister who has three kids and she was not thrilled about it. But and yeah, also yeah. she conveniently forgot um, <laughs> when she left because she, she has three kids. She was like, I know this role. I, oh, I have so much stuff to do. Bye. Yeah. So <sighs> anyway, that's a uh, that's a new thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty big new thing. A, um, also, we have a newsletter that we put out. Uh, it was once a week, but we just got so much good stuff to share with everyone that we are. Uh, we're thinking about doing it once a day. Yeah. Uh, every day. Um, yeah. uh, Alex put together a newsletter letter. If you sign up, uh, it's just kind of like, you know, news, uh, gadgets, um, releases, trailers to watch stuff like that. Just fun filmmaking stuff that if you yeah. want to peruse and you haven't found it, you know, just peruse it. If not stick it in the old trash and forget about it till the next day. Yeah. Just go on over to filmmakingcentral.com and you can sign up for the newsletter right there. If you are, if you haven't already. And also speaking of, um, Filmmaking Central is our website. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a blog where we write some things uh, ourselves, and we have um, this podcast is part of the Filmmaking Central family. Um, Mm -hmm. And the website used to be host like built on WordPress. I built it on WordPress, and it was a disaster. Over Mm -hmm. and over again, a disaster. It was. I mean, I like WordPress. 
for some things. Um, yeah, but it for just became things. so slow, so slow. It was uh, it getting ridiculous. I tried everything I could think of to make it faster, and it kind of just made things worse. Not speed wise, but it would like break the website every once in a while. It was just a constant struggle. So I mo- I was like, what am I doing? Moved it away from WordPress to our website platform, Filmshake. Um, and the rest is history. So now if you go to filmmakingcentral.com, you can see the new website's much faster. Much um, faster. Much more stable. And Looks a little different, but a little I'll, different, I'll take the speed. But I'll take the speed. The same. Um, yeah. Yep. And yeah, you can so. check that out. So that's built on Filmshake right there which is something we also sell a yes. little, little film shake a little website builder uh so if you like how wordpress how, uh film filmmakingcentral.com is working you can make your own site through uh film shake yes that's um, right so yeah check, that's right check that out and too. i'm also um hopefully soon going to build some more templates for film shake that are more um you know related to different aspects of the industry so maybe more templates for production companies or for individuals who are trying to put a site together for themselves to house their reels or their projects and things like that. Um, And highlighting different aspects, maybe, you know, directors, cinematographers and all that. So I'm going to be trying to add more templates that you can just kind of start with and um, build your site yourself, drag and drop with them with that. Or you can just start from scratch if you want. Filmshake.com. Check it out. Okay, so, uh, Trevor, what are we talking about uh, today? I was just going to preface that by saying, just give it time, guys, because Alex has a new baby, so it may not be immediate um, if you're looking for all those templates. Um, oh gosh, no, it won't be immediate. <laughs> I'm talking like 2024, guys. No, yeah. <laughs> Immediately 2024. Day yeah. one of 2024, it's going to be launching. Um, okay, so what are we talking about today? So there is... I mean, I wouldn't say it's a growing trend. They've been around for a while. We've participated in some of them. It's these these film challenges and competitions. You got your 24-hour, 48-hour, 100-hour, um, all these competitions that force you to make a film uh, a short in a predetermined amount of time. Yes. Um, and usually how they work is you get a prompt, and then the clock starts. They yeah. give you the prompt. Some people give you five prompts that it could be before, and then they announce which one it's going to be. Some just straight up give you a prompt that's out of the blue, uh, and then the clock starts, and you have 24 hours, 48 hours, or 100 hours from when you get that prompt to produce a finished short film, and then you compete against other people who are participating. Um, yes. Very and, popular. And some yeah. of them also give you sort of like constraints. So I remember one of the, mm-hmm. I think it was a 48-hour film festival that we did one time a while ago now i don't know if it still goes on this way because it's been a while since we've done the 48 hour stuff but um they give you like a a genre each team gets assigned a different genre um Mm -hmm. and then also there are certain elements that each team has to use aside from just the overall prompt but things like props or uh, lines of dialogue or something like that that have to go in every single every single short so there's yeah. like a, a general yep. prompt that kind of like guides the idea and then mm-hmm. extra requirements and then maybe a genre as well. 
Yeah. And it's, it's, they're, they're fun. Uh, you know, it's a good way to kind of hone your filmmaking skills, especially, uh, constrained as it is. Um, we did a bunch of 24 hour film festivals in college. Uh, I think that's when you and Logan did a 48 film hour film festival in Vegas. We did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Alex and I were part of a team that did a hundred a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, I stayed up all night and then didn't set my fantasy football team. And I lost in the playoffs because of that. And guess who beat me? My wife who refused to wake me up to set my fantasy lineup. I still hold that against her. Um, but uh, yes, um, these are very popular. A lot of people do them. Uh, they, they go on all throughout the year. So if you miss one, you could probably sign up for another one a few short days later, but um, that's the gist of it. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of talking about the best way to go about these things. Cause they are a really great tool to kind of, you know, I guess in this day and age to re kickstart your passion for filmmaking, because you may be a little stale, maybe, you know, stuck at home, haven't done much shooting. Uh, maybe me and Alex, we've been working on the writing side as well as these uh, products. And you want to kind of jumpstart and get the, get the filmmaking bug and juices flowing. Um, these are great. These are great for them. There's usually a small entry fee, yeah. Sometimes there's prizes. Sometimes there's just accolades. But uh, they're they're pretty fun, um, especially if you find a good team to work with. Um, so, what can you do to prepare um, if it's even allowed? Some places, some uh, of the challenges don't even allow you to prepare. Like, yeah, I mean, I you think, can prepare yeah, to a certain extent, but they don't want you yeah. to like write anything ahead of time most of the time, or come with. Any and those sort are the of, ones like, preconceived notions. Yeah, and those are the ones that are going to give you the prompt day of um, rather than maybe five or six that it could be. Um, and, and so you, what you could do to prepare is, um, you know, get props together. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, you could, you know, get a car full of props. You may only use three of them, but at least you have them there. Um, uh, make sure all your equipment's ready. Make sure you, you, you have what you need rented. If you don't have people who have that are on your team that have the equipment, um, Uh, you know, just make sure you have your camera ready, batteries charged. Basically think of it as like a race. And the second they say, go, you want to be able to just start shooting if you had your idea. So make sure batteries are charged, equipment's ready. Everything's checked. This is all stuff you can do before you ever get a prompt, before you even start filming. I also think it's a good idea to make sort of a, um, a list of assets that you can use. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, team members houses or they have like, a relative that works at an office that you can shoot in or different locations and things like that. And also if you have friends um, who want to be actors and want to act in the films, then um, you can get those people on board as well. So that when it comes down to the writing portion, you have sort of a list of all these assets that you can use for the, um, the project itself and just write them into the, into the script. Uh, So you don't have to Mm -hmm. like, write the script and then try to find a bunch of stuff after the fact, which is going to waste a bunch of time. Uh, not to uh, take away from our uh, win, uh, but when Alex was a senior in college, I had already graduated college. I was working at USC and I had access to a, uh, a office building and yes. uh, we shot a 24 hour film there, there. And technically I wasn't enrolled in school, so maybe I shouldn't have been involved, but we knew we had an office building, which a lot with a lot of different rooms and a lot of different uh, locations within that building. And we kind of shot everything there um, and it, w- it worked out perfectly. So we knew what we had um, and what we had to dress it up as and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of what I was leaning to, like know what assets you have available at your disposal before you even start, because you know, 
no matter what the prompt is, you could probably work an office building into it. You could probably work a house into it. You could probably work a car scene into it. So there's things that will, that are universal that you can use if you have them at your disposal. Yeah. And then next, I would say one of the biggest things you want to do is try to avoid the too many cooks syndrome. Um, So appoint someone who is going to sort of take the charge of the project and be the one that's going to make the decisions. I mean, obviously it's a collaborative project and it's more fun that way and all that kind of stuff, but you don't want to be stuck in an argument with no resolve for hours on end. Um, You just need someone to make the decision and kind of be the leader of the project so that um, it can just always be moving forward. Even, you know, even if it's not necessarily like agreed upon by everyone. Yeah. And that also helps when you have, like especially when you start off actually not when you start off but when you got your script locked in your idea locked in even before the script is locked in if you have um if you have one fearless leader then you can have that person delegate to other people to go do things hey go get this 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 prop that we don't have but we absolutely need hey you make sure you're writing the script you make sure that you're starting to work on graphics that we think we're going to need and that would allow you to get a lot done in a short amount of time when the one that we did um Right after I graduated, we went and got a Burger King max mask, um, and it was we had. I think Alex went and someone else went. While the other people were working on things um, to get the mask, um, and then we were able to write the script while they were getting the mask, and other people were getting equipment together and all that. So it, it definitely helps to have one person in charge because then they can delegate to other people. This is what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done. And there's no person being like, I don't want to do this. Uh, blah. It's like, nope, it just needs to be done. Yep, exactly. And I think. You know, it it can get tough when you have a bunch of people that like five people on a team that want to be directors. Um, So it is important to sort of like declare ahead of time before they even join the team, like who's directing, you know, like don't leave that up Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, a spur of the moment decision where people will be disappointed having signed up for something and not getting to do what they wanted to do. Um, So before you even get the prompt, determine kind of like what people's roles are going to be. I mean, obviously, it's going to be flexible sometimes because um, mm-hmm. everyone's going to have to kind of chip in and do like every everything. Uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, there's probably going to be one director. Um, there's yeah. probably going to be multiple writers. Um, mm-hmm. There might only be one DP or camera person. Um, but like kind of assign those roles ahead of time um, so there's no sort of like butt hurtness that's yeah. caused. And, and, and going back to the equipment, like embrace that maybe two people have cameras then you could shoot two things at once in two different locations with two different actors which just helps immensely um and uh you know the most important is make sure you know who the editor is because they can start working early and we'll get to that later in the post uh section but you know predefined roles predetermined roles are pretty vital because you don't want power struggles um you don't want people to be as Alex said, butthurt about not being able to do what they want to. It's almost like the person who's directing is usually the one who's running the team because they're kind of running the ship and they're the ones who are like, Hey, I want to put a team together to do this. And that tends to be how it goes. Um, I guess everyone that we've been a part of the person who put the team together was the director. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, also, when it comes to the ones that assign you certain things like genres and whatnot, um, I think it's it can be kind of like a, I don't know, it can be a wrench in the whole system if you wind up with a genre that you 
don't want. Like I remember during the ones that did that that I was a part of, it was always the dreaded musical genre that oh, no God. one wanted. Which, no one wanted the musical. Why? Because yeah, how? Like <laughs> why? Why would they do that to you in the twenty-four hour film challenge? I know, terrible. Um, but I think it's important to kind of like be prepared a little bit just in your mind, like, um, for all the outcomes, like don't, if you have a strong suit yourself, uh, where you have a preference, like for me, it would probably be some kind of like, you know, gritty dark mystery or something. Um, if, if you get assigned a comedy, like don't, don't let that trip you up. You have to kind of like be prepared for anything. Um, and when you do genres, another question that comes up a lot, especially like, I feel like, these things they get they tend to be like homage central like if you oh, do, God, yeah. you know they you just yeah. reference a bunch of movies um and, and everyone claps it's like oh my god that's so hilarious yeah exactly um mm-hmm. so i don't know these are things to be aware of things to um think about ahead of time um but try not to get tripped up if you don't get a genre that you um are hoping to get because you know it's supposed to be random well, and, and not only that, but like you embrace it almost because it gives you a chance to step outside your comfort level and comfort zone. Um, step outside your comfort level. What the hell am I, man? So, uh, you'd think I was at the one with the new baby. Uh, step outside your comfort zone. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you like, yeah, it sucks to get musicals, but I know Alex did one and it was super fun. Um, yeah. Challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, we all want to be great comedic filmmakers because comedy is just fun to do um and they also not only do they tend to be homages they also tend to be comedies like a comedic gangster film a comedic noir a comedic horror because everyone thinks they're funnier than everyone else um but it's it's just true i mean unless you just nail a drama or something are you like you're i feel like honestly your drama or your non-comedy whatever has to be so good to be like a comedy that yeah, because you're kind of like dealing with a popular vote scenario, popular choice. Um, so everyone's like obviously just cracking up in a in the theater during the screening or whatever. I feel like yeah. that has a little bit more of a chance of winning than like a really good drama. I don't know. That could and, just be and not only th- something <laughs> that I noticed. Well, not only that, but when you're on hour twenty two. Uh, it's pretty hard to really push forward when you have a, a you know, like a, a drama about someone dying That's rather true. than like a comedy where people are like, this is hilarious. It's still funny. I'm super tired. So I'm even, I'm punch drunk and it's yeah. even funnier. And so well, then I feel that like in the, in the zone of like, is this actually funny or am I just so tired? <laughs> Yeah, anything. But you're already you're already too far into it, so uh, you just got to go with it. Um, uh, and so it it tends to be comedies, but every once in a while you'll have somebody come out and I mean, we the hundred hour film festival we did was a drama, yeah. and I feel that a hundred hours was a little bit easier to do a drama kind of thing, um, especially because the team was mostly built up of actors. We, me and Alex, were kind of the crew on that one, and the whole team was filled with actors, and so it, actors tend to want to show their dramatic chops, right. so. Um, that one, that one was a little bit easier to do in a hundred hours, but 24 hours is pretty hard to get a comedy down. That's, you know, good. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so when it comes to breaking down how you're going to plan this out, like how much time do you think yeah. you should spend on the writing portion of it? 
Because at the end of the day, say, it's all about time management, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's basically what you're being challenged with. Can you do this in a timely fashion? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be a long script. So I would say maybe an hour or two max, knowing that as... Well, I think Since we should probably do ever. it within like in percentages because if you're talking about 100 That's hours true. versus 24 hours. But but see, I would say even 100 hours, you don't want to spend more than one or two hours on it because it's going to be a five minute short. That's true, um, but you have more time to kind of like perfect it and make and not true. only that, but when we did it, I feel like we spent more time actually choosing the idea than we did actually um, writing the thing. But but that's true because because it was a comedy and it was like a kind of a go as you thing. If you think it's funny, we'll film it and figure it out later. Um, but um, okay. So we'll go, we'll go percentage wise. So like for a 24 hour film festival, uh, I would, I would say you uh, two hours max. So what is that percentage wise? Um, um, do it, do the math. I believe in you. I'm trying to in your head. No. Oh, God, no. I have the calculator open already. Um, <laughs> it's like, no, that can't be right. Like 9%? Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Is it? Okay. Okay. But 9% of your time should be spent on um, on writing the script. So 100-hour film festival, eight hours, which seems crazy to me. On 100 um, hours? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Only, well, only because... Um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's really probably the most important part is getting the story. First of all, choosing an idea that really works with everything you got um, yeah. and not like trying to do something that's outside the realm of reality. Um, yeah. So choosing an idea you- can be difficult, but then also writing it, I feel like you really want to uh, make sure that it's kind of perfected. Uh, as much as yeah. possible. And normally when you write something, you'd want to do multiple versions. Do you remember when we did that? Cause we met with everyone for the hundred hour film festival. And we went over for like what, an hour or two trying to figure out mm-hmm. what idea we wanted to come up with. Yeah. And then, um, they wrote the, the, the team leads, husband and wife, they wrote the script that night. Do you know how long it took them to write it? Um, I feel like it took them, Maybe a day, only because we actually only shot for a day of that hundred. Yeah, because we we woke up the next day and shot until like I don't know three the next morning. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. We we got there early, and I broke the sound mixer. Um, yes. <laughs> and so I think they wrote it that night, and I want to say they maybe spent about maybe five or six hours writing it. Um, cause they had to sleep a little bit. Um, yeah, that could be, but um, so, I mean, it was only, but then you're, a, you're, you're, my, my, go ahead. I don't really remember. This is the joy of, me, me of all this stuff, but, um, I know for a fact we only shot for one day Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was a straight drama basically. So you would think that it yeah. wouldn't require more than a day of editing. Yeah. So then that leaves quite a few days left yeah but they also but they also had to edit and then they then you did reshoots with them so they did an edit and then you wouldn't do some shoot sh- shots with them on the beach 
Yes. And then they did the edit again. So I feel like they got the prompt at like four o'clock and we went over there and everyone started talking. Then we left around six or seven and then they wrote it. And then we woke up the next morning and met at the apartment to shoot it. Um, and I think what they said is they took five or six hours to write it. So that would be about eight hours if we met for two, two hours to come up with the idea. And then they wrote, took five hours to write it because then we went to three the next morning, everyone slept. Then they edited that whole day. And then the next day you went and did some shots with them in the morning because they had to put it in and deliver it that night. True. True. So I would say, so yeah, okay. So yeah, I'd say about, about, 10%. 8% of the time should be spent, 8 to 10% should be spent on writing the script, depending on how much time you have. Uh, when you have 100 hours, you know, you get a t- little more time to spend on on uh, perfecting the script, especially if you, when it's time to shoot, as we always say, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. You know, they didn't, they didn't have a lot of locations. They had two, three, three locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, that we needed to do a lot of scene changes or company moves to um, to shoot it all. So they had a little more time to spend on the, the shoot because most of it was, again, we had access to Larry's studio. So we were able to shoot there because we knew what we had access to. Um, and uh, so it was, it was pretty easy to say, hey, we don't need to rush the script because we don't have to rush the shoot because it only takes place mostly in one spot. Yes. True. Um, yeah. True. Um, now talking about that shooting, I do remember with the hundred hour film festival, they wanted to shoot in 4k, which we knew was not probably the best idea. Um, Luckily we did those, we did the, uh, proxies, right? We did do the proxies, but I just remember, um, it was, we shot in 4K and in log, which honestly, I Ugh. probably wouldn't do if... No. If, well, especially for we a 24-hour. Um, oh, God, no. 48-hour, maybe. Yeah, but like, I don't know. There's just so much you have to do. Why worry about 4K exporting and then also color correcting in post? Mm-hmm. I mean, try to get it yeah. in, in camera if you can. That, and that leads us to our next thing. When you're shooting is, like I said before, keep it simple, stupid. Don't shoot 4K. A lot of pieces don't require you to finish in 4K. Don't have tons of locations or difficult locations or inside a moving car. Um, yes, we know you have a really cool shot, but that's not what this is about. This is not coming out with the best one shot that you have that the rest looks like shit. Um, and also minimize actors. Now, for the 100-hour film festival one that we did, we didn't really minimize actors. There was, what, eight? There were quite a few, yeah. Yeah, and it well, was it was kind of like the whole scene. They were yeah. all kind of in the same room together, but yeah. Um, so, like, just keep it simple. Like, like we, this is going to sound really douchey to say. We know you're a good filmmaker. You don't have to prove everything here in this hundred-hour film festival because it'd be better if you get a decent film than you don't finish it all because you made it too complicated for what it is. True, and also I feel like. Um, you know, if it's done skillfully or mm-hmm. artfully, there's something yeah. to be said about minimalism that can be really kind of like, I don't know, amazing. And 
just because something's complex and complicated doesn't make it better inherently. And sometimes, yeah, it's true. sometimes it's the simplicity that makes things really cool. Um, so if you can kind especially of, especially like, if you're doing a drama, yeah. So if you can kind of harness that um, and get into that mindset and try to avoid really complex things, unless you know that's crucial to what you're doing and like part of your style or like you know something that you've perfected over time that you really want to do, um, then great. But I think um, there is something to be said about I don't know, sort of like nice, simple, quiet kind of moments and scenes and movies and whatever. Um, so, you know. Which is why when you're doing the 100 films, yeah, and, and which is why take a little more time um, to do, to hone your script so that you could have those moments and you can tell your story without doing the crazy stuff, which is why take eight to 10 hours if you have 100 hours to really make your script work and you don't have, then your shooting becomes much easier. And once the shooting becomes much easier, man, is it great? Because nothing matters how good your script is if you can't get it all done because you're you're shooting at a furious pace that you just can't keep up with. Especially when people get start getting tired, um, and uh, you know, like like we did for the hundred hour film festival, you have to pull everything out of a room, set it up, light, shoot, do sound, and then most of the people leave and the, uh, some people are left to strike it all down and put it all back together. And it's like, you get tired. And, and oh, yeah. those last two hours when you're filming some, some pivotal thing that's super complicated, you're not going to perform really well. Your crew's not going to perform really well. Your actors are not going to perform really well. And it's tough. Totally. Totally. And, um, one other thing I'd like to point out, uh, if possible, uh-huh. something we did no. for, we kind of did it for the the hundred hour um, film festival in sort of like the the round table scene, um, mm-hmm. but we also did it in another project that wasn't technically for one of those competitions, but we still did it in like twenty four hours or less. Um, but trying to light in such a way where you don't have to reset every time. Oh uh, yeah, because like you know. Lighting setups can take forever, and um, oh God, yeah. obviously you want it to look good, but there is a way where, you know, the way I think about it is, like, even if you only have one camera, imagine that you're lighting for three, mm-hmm. you know? And then that way, all you have to do is just pick up the camera and move to where the, the second camera would be, and you don't have to change the lighting at all. Um, and Maybe a little be, bit, but... Or, or just, like, accent it a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe mm-hmm. change the angle of something. Yeah, and that um, that can really, really speed up the process because, you know, nothing's worse than sitting around waiting for a DP to light a project when you only have when the clock's ticking. And uh, oh, especially when it's like two in the morning and your actors start falling asleep and then you have to wake them up and get them back into character and they're groggy. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 not good. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's it's make it as easy as possible, really. Like yeah. set your lighting to be. Uh, like you said, like almost the like universal lighting, light it like a stage, mm-hmm. a, a set, and and then you don't have to do as many adjustments once you are uh, in the moment. I guess as they say. Yeah, and with that project, we also used, we didn't uh, we didn't shoot and log, and nope, we used colored gels at the time to get a specific look 
It was a steel yep. steel green, which is a great oh, gel. Great gel. You guys uh, wondering. <laughs> um, check out steel green. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember, and uh, after we shot that, I mean, it just, it didn't need any color correction, you know, for the most part. And uh, it was great just in camera. Uh, saved so much time because, I mean, gosh, I mean, matching shots, color correcting, all that kind of stuff. You just like spend hours on that, which we're going to yep. get to here uh, in the next question. Yep. How much time or what percent do you put towards post-production? Man, so I would say, I would say twenty-five percent. I was going to say thirty. If you think about thirty, okay, twenty-five to thirty, yeah. I think is a good one. Um, now, as we said before, if you start planning in in it early and you know who your editor is, especially with laptops the way they are right now, and you're not shooting four K log, somebody can start editing the second the first footage is done, like the first scene's done. They can start editing it together while other people are 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 shooting some other stuff only if you have a designated editor, someone who's like, I'm an editor. Um, I'm going to be editing. I don't care about directing. I don't care about being there for the rest of it. I want to be an editor and I want to do it. Um, sometimes we had people who were the directors and also editors and that kind of screwed things up um, yeah. because they, we had to wait for them to finish before they could start editing. But uh, yeah, 25 to 30 is a pretty good part of it. And, and if you have someone who's just, strictly there for editing, not acting, not directing or anything like that, they can start, they can start two hours after shooting begins be on set um, in the corner with yeah. a laptop and headphones and editing while you're shooting. And it could be like a DLT slash editor. Yeah. And another reason why you don't shoot 4k log, because like that 4k on a laptop, while laptops are great, it will really slog it down. And the more you slog it down on, in the post, the slower, the worse it's going to be, and the, the, the closer to your deadline you're going to be without it uh, getting close to being done. Well, another thing that starts in production and winds up in post. Um, oh man, just just shoot with sound directly into camera. You know, oh, like oh don't, my God. don't go mix like separate recorder and then and then sync it in post. I mean, talk about wasting time. <sighs> I mean, I get it. You want like the best audio, and if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. But if you can get it into the camera, but but for the most part, even if you have a mixer, it has an output that will go right. into the camera. So if you exactly. want the best audio, like like the Zoom or any sound devices, things, yeah, they have all the bells and whistles, but they also have output to a camera. Take it in so it's synced and it can sound as good as you want it to be. But you don't have to sync it up in post, which it's getting easier to do with, you know, matching cameras and all that, but it's still a pain in the ass. It is. And I think really the only person that cares about that is you. And it's the same with the 4k, right? The only reason you want to do 4k is because you're like, Oh man, what if it's so good? What if this thing that I'm making is so good (laughs) that I actually want to show it to people? Well, okay. That's why when we shot 4k, uh, our camera can shoot 4K and simultaneously shoot 1080, 2K, or whatever. Um, and if yours can do that, that's great. Have the 4K. Don't even look at it. Don't nope. even look at it until after. If you want to yep. like redo it and like whatever in 4K, great. And the same with the the external audio. Like have have the raw audio from the recorder, the mixer, 
fine. But don't look at it. Just send it straight to the camera and cut that mm-hmm. and send that off for the competition. And then after the fact, if you want to like remix and master and all this kind of stuff, like go for it. But yeah, I, I just think it's, I don't know, it's an illusion to think that you're going so- to shoot 4K raw or log with like external sound and, and like have a clapboard that's like perfectly slated. It's like, no, get out of here. No, yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and the beauty of post software is that you can edit your thing in your 2k and then easily plug in your, uh, 4k footage later. You don't have to re-edit it and then you can make adjustments and all that. So don't feel that like, Oh, I'm going to have to go sit down and then blah, blah, blah. You can do the 4k later. It'll be super easy. You can replace the footage. It'll be fine. It's just, it's, it's so like, you don't have the time to futz around with that stuff. Even if you have a hundred hours, like it just doesn't, it, it's not worth it. Not worth it. No. And on the same yeah. note, like try to go easy on the graphics and visual effects. Like I know some of y'all, including myself, get a little insane <laughs> with, with some graphics Get a little insane. You're like trying to do all these like, I don't know, like dynamic linked comps and Adobe After Effects and like, and you're like, this is looking great. This is looking great. And then it's going to take you 24 hours to export. Um, yep. Don't be that person. We told them that story. We told them that story already. We told uh, them. I mean, told them. it's okay. It actually happened. Get yeah. a little crazy. But um, yeah. just, you know, just go easy on it. Also, um, if you do want to do graphics or things, come up with like a better workflow, right? Like, yeah, like have someone working on the graphics separately and then export them separately if you can on a transparent mm-hmm. background or whatever so that the editor can just drop them in and then they're not exporting and rendering um, effects. They're just rendering like another layer of video. And then all of a sudden, Um, it's so much easier. Yeah. When we did our 24-hour, one of the ones in college, uh, luckily, a lot of the people who were on the team were also editors and graphics people. So I remember our editor was like, oh, I need these graphics. And so I was able to run off to another computer, do those graphics, and send them to him while he was still editing. And then he was able to just drop them in. It was great. Um, And that's that's fantastic. If you can have multiple people working on things for post at once, that's great. and in that sense, also, um, make sure you have like a version that you're okay with. And if you have some extra time, sure, go a little crazy. Yeah. Add some more graphics in. Because if you hit, you know, encode and export and it says five hours and you have 30 minutes left, at least you have that version one that you're okay with that you can upload and you won't be screwed. Yeah. You won't, all that hard work yeah. won't be like, oh, guess what? Can't do it anymore. Um, we we just lost even submitting because I wanted to do too many graphics and I didn't think ahead. Um, so just have two versions ready. Just get the edit down, make it look and sound acceptable. Uh, throw the graphics in that you need, export it out, put it aside. Then you can get to work on, on making it look even prettier and sounding prettier and adding, you know, sound effects and stuff like that, that you want, but don't need. Um, and you, you'll still be safe. You won't have the thing that me and Alex did where we had 12 hour, 24 hours to, we had a render of 24 hours when we had 35 minutes to, to submit our, our film. Um, and that was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Why do you keep bringing yeah. it up? 
I know, right? Uh, just got to remind <sighs> ourselves that no pain, no gain. But yeah, I think that's so, going to do it. I mean, the, these challenges and these competitions and whatnot, they're really fun. I think, um, you know, don't take them too seriously. They're no. kind of just a challenge for you personally on a personal level to sort of like see what you can do with limited time, limited resources, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And just grab a group of friends to, got, to do it, uh, people that you've worked with, people that want to just get out and do stuff with you. And it's, you know, it's meant to be fun. Like, don't lose sleep over it. And, uh, you know. Well. Well, I guess lose sleep over it lose sleep that over 24-hour it. period or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why a lot of people do comedies because you tend to be with your friends when you're doing it. And it's just fun. They're really fun. The stuff you can come up with in 24 or 48 or 100 hours is pretty interesting. You can surprise yourself. Yeah. Um, and like I said earlier, like we said earlier, it's just it, it's a way to just kind of flex your filmmaking muscles in a constrained style because that's kind of what filmmaking is. You have limitations in everything you're going to do be it budget, be it time, be it actors, be it locations, you're going to be limited in something. You might only have 20 minutes to pull off a shot and you, you can kick back at the time you had 24 hours to do a whole film and you were able to pull it off and that it helps. I mean, everything that you do, especially in the no budget to low budget filmmaking thing should just be lessons that you take and utilize as you get to bigger productions that you have more time but because no matter what size budget, you always run out of time. You always run out of time. Um, uh, and yeah. Well said, Trevor. Well, thank you. Thank you. Said. My wife is coughing over here with the coronavirus. Oh, that's okay. Well, <laughs> hey, tweet around. Ladies, um, I'll be single soon. Oh! <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. Don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. While you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. And if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section. We'll try to answer them. Also, if you are in the giving mood, head over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer and buy us a beer. We'll even give you a shout out on the next episode. And don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers. And we will see you next time. With better math. Later, guys. Later. <laughs>